Hello, welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, R.I.P.D. 2, Rise of the Damned, a sequel to 2013's R.I.P.D. set in the American West of 1876. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Yeah, this is a funny one. Uh, We did our review for the original one of these earlier this year, and there was... We touched on the fact that they were looking at doing a sequel, I think two sequels initially, one, a direct sequel uh, with the Ryan Reynolds character and Jeff Bridges, and then one, a prequel, which this kind of seems to have been what that was morphed into with the what happened with Jeff Bridges' character when he first joined the RIPD. Uh, and nine years later... <laughs> Out it came, no fanfare, no cinema release, at least not here in Australia. And no, it, it didn't. Yeah. No no theatrical release. It was always intended as a direct-to-home release, DVD, Blu-ray, streaming. It's a weird one because, God, where did I – I think it was on – it was on one of the, like, movie websites, and they were mentioning this film, and it was the first time I'd even – heard of it and i shared it with you and it's like how how is this a thing but none of the big news outlets were talking about it so it's almost like there was well no fanfare really it's i'm pretty sure distributed by universal i know the first movie was sony but there seems there's like there's like a subdivision within universal and they make films like the direct-to-DVD Tremors films, and there's like a handful yeah. of those. But there's certain films that just get these prequels, sequels, but they just get released and nobody is really talking about them. So I'm really glad that we both watched it and we're going to do a review. And as you say, it's a follow-up to our previous review, a film starring Ryan Reynolds, Jeff Bridges. I mean, that film... Kevin had- Bacon. <laughs> Yeah, Kevin Bacon, that film had a stacked cast. And at the time, it's like, hey, it's Men in Black meets Ghostbusters, you know, adapted from a comic. Like, wow, what's this going to be like? And it's just okay. The movie just ended up being okay. I mean, when when asked about the, that first movie, Jeff Bridges said he was a little underwhelmed after first watching <laughs> that movie. So all these years later, no Jeff Bridges. No Ryan Reynolds. Instead, we've got Jeffrey Donovan, Penelope Mitchell, Richard Brake. I mean, they're all names, three actors. It's not that first movie, and it's not that first movie's budget. It's not that first movie's cast. I mean, the director on this one, Paul Leiden, I had to to look him up. He's an Australian. He's best known for playing the role of Simon Fraser on the daytime soap opera as the world turns. Gotta be honest, never heard of that show <laughs> until neither I. until doing prep for this. He played Simon in the 2009 miniseries Man Eater. He also had a brief stint on The Young and the Restless as Blake. That show I have I have heard of. <laughs> His directorial debut was uh, two years ago. The movie Chick Fight, 
Oh, I remember the trailer for that. Alec Baldwin's in it. I think it's one of those movies where it's like, and Alec Baldwin. Yeah. I know of it. I've not seen it. But yes, <laughs> it's a a guy that's directed a handful of things. He started off as a soap actor. Jeffrey Donovan, he's playing Roy. So he's the Jeff Bridges character. Yep. I was getting a little bit of the dude at times, but he's really just doing his own thing. Jeffrey Donovan, what was that show that he was in? Was it Burn Notice? Burn Notice, yeah. So that was his like big TV show, wasn't it? And since then, yeah. he's popped up in numerous shows, movies. I think most recently before this, um, he was in the Guy Ritchie film Wrath of Man with Jason Statham. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a reliable actor. He turns up yeah. and he always does what's expected of him, but yeah. he's playing, in this case, a young Jeff Bridges. Yeah, and, you know, the facial hair helps a lot, but, and his parlance, he, I feel like he did his best to emulate what a younger Jeff Bridges Roy from the first one would have been, like his, uh, his countenance, uh, his attitude and his mumbling and his like hot hot headedness i think they've done a good he's done a really good job um because i could see shades i mean especially having watched it fairly recently i'm like oh i can i can see what he's doing i he's uh he's definitely making it work for him the avatar of roy um rachel adadeji I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Same with uh, uh, Joan, uh, uh, Jen, uh, Avatar, played by Evelyn Oyedokun. There, when I was watching it, I felt there being more diverse characters. I don't mean diverse in the fact that they're both African-American. I mean that they don't seem to be emulating the the Roy character or the Jean character like I would have thought but then I remembered back I'm like wait 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 no that was the same with the avatars for the first one one was <laughs> a little Asian man who uh, a little old Asian man and one was a right. woman and there was no none of that parlance carried over just yeah. the language the, the body language and their like emotional language so that's like, right know, I, yeah. I can't actually criticize them for that because that was the same in the original so well to everybody else their avatars they look and sound like the avatars don't they so yeah so that yeah that tracks i'm pretty sure the um the asian guy talking about isn't that james hong low pan yeah. from yeah. big trouble in little china oh great yeah, yeah. i feel like yeah. they had more fun with it with the avatars in that first movie yeah because they've taken a different route where because it's the old west and uh, African-Americans were second-class citizens that they'd be ignored so no one would pay attention to them like that makes a story sense absolutely but it wasn't consistent with the first one because you know Roy's avatar in, this, in the first one was a very attractive blonde woman who is the opposite of state like background you know she draws a lot of attention unlike uh, Lopan who uh, is very like like low key and yeah. uh, able to blend in. I'm like, that's uh, 
that that was a choice. Like I guess it's a choice that he had to earn. He had to earn a better avatar or something. But um, yeah, it's they're not doing anything wrong. The only is that even then, like I was like, oh, but the costumes don't carry over. I'm like, oh, but they didn't in the original either. It's hard because it's been for me, it hasn't been that long, or for us, it's not been that long because we did the review so recently. But yes, uh, it's it wasn't so fresh in my mind that when I was watching it, I was starting to make notes. I'm like, wait a minute, that's I don't think that's an inconsistency. I think that's just uh, my own memory faltering because. You didn't see their avatars so often in the first one because there was no need for it. They really, they, they took more of that. I don't know if that was a, this was probably filmed during COVID restrictions thing to maintain scheduling or what, but that very well could have been, which are like, oh, we can't actually keep these, our main actors on set as often. We have to use their avatars a lot more. But yeah, yeah oh, it's, I, they're all, yeah, they're I'm all sure. doing. They're not doing anything like distracting, but I don't think they're adding as anything particular either because there didn't seem to be the only real joke is that Roy's avatar, Matilda, <laughs> to her, oh, she's a mute. Like, don't it's just ignore her. She's a bit like because it's his first time yeah, as an RIPD member. So he's making the similar mistakes to Ryan Reynolds in the first movie. I mean, that's it. Yeah. So it's like, it's that first movie, it's the, it's the Wild West. And it's an origin for Roy, who is killed in a shootout days before his daughter's wedding. And that's when he joins the Rest in Peace department. So, I mean, it's it's interesting, but it not as a negative to this film, because I guess it, it is what it is. But for me, going into it, it was never going to be as, as big or, I want to say, as good. I mean, you can make good films, like really good films on smaller budgets. But I feel like when it's a follow-up, even if it's a prequel to like a big Hollywood spectacle, they can't really compete. And sometimes, you know, they have to get creative with their approach, the filmmaking and everything else. And it, it can end up being quite charming. But this is the Roy character first portrayed by Jeff Bridges, but it's not Jeff Bridges. It's, it feels like it's lesser than before it's even started. Yeah, and also the story doesn't have as many uh, twists and turns as the original did either. This is a lot more straightforward. Like when we, as as watching it from the get go, I'm like, oh well, those are the bad guys. They're doing. They clearly have a bigger plan that will get explained to me at some point. And sure enough, there's that exposition scene with Joe Chill and <laughs> and his like lieutenant. Uh, of what his plan is, which comes about halfway through the film. But uh, there's no, at no point was I like, you know, they didn't have to sniff out the, the deados like they did in the first one. Um, and the they weren't unique like they were in the first one. Each deado in the first film had a unique look and uh, attitude, whereas these ones were just, and there they are. They're like the demons from Supernatural, which I got a yes. lot of, in the, to be honest. Yeah. In this one, I mean, wasn't Penelope Mitchell at some point on Supernatural? I feel like she was on on one of those shows before she did this. Or was it a there's, Vampire Diaries show? Yeah, the season. She absolutely could have been. She's done genre TV. I know she has. I remember seeing it, but I can't remember specifically what it was. Are you talking about Richard Brake? Was he 
Joe Chill in Batman Begins. Yeah. Holy yep. crap. Whenever yep. I've seen him in things, like recently he was in Barbarian, which is bloody excellent. That was probably yep. a low-budget movie that they did very well. And he was yep. brilliant in that. And he was in The Monsters recently, Rob Zombie. Um, yeah. Always pops up. But I never could like trace him back. Like, Where did I first see him? I think it was that. It would have been Joe Chill in Batman yeah. Begins. And he's doing great work. You know, he's he's got a – he definitely has a unique look that lends itself to a like a character um he's got he does a great like evil like grin and uh like a menacing look with his eyes it, and it suits the era they're shooting for as well um but he's making he's using up as much as he can for what his character is he's yeah. a mustache twirling bad guy who slowly di- like divulges his plan and then you hear his plan and you're like oh yeah okay that's not, not it's not, it's not his fault that Otis Claiborne's so by the numbers or yeah, as, a rock, a, as we finally yeah. get at the end. I but, mean, there's this his character on page and then it's what he's bringing to it. And I just say he does deliver a solid performance. Like he's probably outperforming most, but at the same yeah. time, he is mustache twirling, but that's kind of the film that he's in and yeah. what he's yeah. what he's there to do. So he's interesting enough but again like if we're going to make comparisons to that first film and we're both praising richard brake but who was the yeah. big villain in that last movie have you heard kevin of kevin bacon, bacon? It's, yeah. like, it's hard to compete penelope mitchell let's um let's go back to her because like she's on on the cover on the poster it's her and jeffrey donovan and you yeah, find out she's, she's the uh the older RIPD member who's like well, she is as taking him and remember, but then you uh, find out you find out she's bloody Joan of Arc, which and all the <laughs> stuff there. It's the French accent, the using yep. the sword. You know she has uh like clearly has some trauma with fire that they introduce. Although that comes fairly late, they, I think that should probably be introduced a bit earlier and then be a recurring thing rather than oh we need to. Rem- put this in right before they do the main back like uh third act battle so like it's almost like they forgot to like include it earlier than that um but yeah Joan of Arc uh she's got her little tears of Christ yeah. uh she's got she still uses the sword because that's what she's familiar with 445 years they're very specific on like how long she's been serving um but yeah it's she's it's good. Her, her French accent sounds good to me. Um, yeah, French, no, so me. Sure. I, I, I took French in high school. Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds good to me. But but the thing with her, though, like, you know, the character reveal was interesting. And, but she's not playing a younger version of a character we'd seen in that first film, which gives yeah, her, for me, an entire... that's it. bit more leeway where Donovan, he was absolutely... Restricted. He was hired to do a very specific thing, play a young Jeff Bridges, whereas, yeah, there's a bit more freedom in what she is able to do. The special effects, tone, you've said it. It's like an episode of Supernatural, which yeah. isn't the worst thing. On TV, Supernatural works. Yeah. You know, I've not seen Winchester's yet, the prequel show, but no doubt they're doing more of the same. It works yeah. on TV, but... Saying that, this is a movie we both watched at home. wasn't theatrical. It, 
I don't know. It almost feels like it could have been like a feature lamp TV pilot. It didn't really. It does, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and yeah, which, you know, again, they're working with, this was always planned to be a home release, never intended to go like a, a wider distribution than that. So, you know, I, 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 it doesn't detract for me. It's just very much, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I've watched, 15 years of this like this is uh comfort for me this is a this is an aesthetic i'm very used to (laughs) that's it yeah the um the composer j peter robinson he he's done a lot he has done a lot going all the way back to 1985 earlier in his career he he was um he was scoring films like the believers the kiss Cocktail in 88 with Tom Cruise, Blind yeah. Fury, Rutger Hauer, Wayne's World, Wes Craven's New Nightmare in 94. He did Highlander 3, The Sorcerer, Vampire in Brooklyn, which is also a Wes Craven movie in 95. He did The Bank Job, Jason Statham in 2008. He's done TV, Wonder Years, Eerie Indiana, Tales from the Crypt, Todd McFarlane's Spawn, The Outer Limits, Charmed, and it just goes on and on and on he's He's a good get yeah i can't say there was anything in particular that stood out on the score for this one uh but again it's it doesn't detract from anything happening on screen uh i'm not sure if he used any of the uh scoring for all um themes from the original because that also had a like not very like standout soundtrack from memory yeah, but, no, yeah, so, it, yeah i was i was thinking it have any particular motifs that they could have maybe lifted it was um christoph beck on, yeah. on the first movie but yeah i can't remember that score you watched this movie hours before hitting record and yeah <laughs> if you can't really remember it but i just say it didn't really it wasn't a distraction for you um yeah. but the body of work that is really impressive so i thought it yeah would, worth noting here absolutely um and then do you have other characters who are very small in this movie uh roy's daughter charlotte pulsifer who appears at the very beginning and the very end uh that's played by tilly keeper who's just to show up of like this is what roy's like fighting for you've got nell played by nora Trukan, who she's the lieutenant of uh Richard Brake. Uh the the big character that we haven't brought up is Slim Samuels, played by Jake Choi, who um to be honest, his acting uh I did notice in a bad <laughs> way. Right. Uh he's in a lot of it and it's very dry. He's supposed to be thick as in stupid he's supposed to be bungling and uh and i was getting a lot of uh uh what's the name from the do you ever watch uh the good place yeah i got a lot of um uh, oh the, the, the character jason jason yeah. yeah i was getting a lot of that just not as competent um yeah, he didn't have a lot to work with, obviously. He's just there to be a, the dumb guy who kind of leads them to where they need to go for plot 
convenience but yeah it was it did distract me on certain scenes um it got better as that went on like especially towards the end but it it for that middle part there i was like oh let's get let's skip let's skip past this guy keep going like yeah like not and again i don't know if that's a, a restriction from covid for having so many few people on set or maybe it's a budget re- restrictions of like we don't have time to do that again or the recording or angles because like you know he's supposed to be getting shot that doesn't affect him except to annoy him and he's like his reactions to the hits don't match with the lining up uh, right. the gun and stuff like that it's it's probably nitpicking but the dialogue delivery directly before it had already caught me on to like mm, something's not I don't something here I don't like and that's just something else my I, my already triggered mind picked up of like there's no like you know they should have had someone with some wood clapping like clap 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 for him to time his uh his body hits kind of for yeah, yeah could it's... be could be a budget thing yeah again yeah. it's it seems a bit harsh like reviewing this film after reviewing that first one you you almost feel like you should review on a bit of a curve because yeah. thing you know you just the example you just gave there like was yeah. that performance the best that the actor could deliver or was that the performance that they had time for yeah and you know this is the, the all of those scenes where it was distracting was when they're having to walk or ride through the countryside and you know was at the end of a long hot day that they had been trudging around behind that and he just didn't have anything left in the tank um i, I could imagine a lot of things would influence you there like you know the, the director's not giving feedback or it's a, a you know um or it was playing for one camera but they used the take from a different angle from a different camera all this sort of stuff like i'm as i said his his what is uh front shots when it that wasn't part of the comedy um like when they're in the hotel and he's tied up later on and like in the end sequence all of that was completely fine it was just that sequence in the middle when they're going from uh wyoming to uh red creek in utah that whole dragging bit i was like oh. i'm seeing some dave's time soap acting here <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, I mentioned the director's credentials we yeah. got it <laughs> yeah yeah uh and also uh mayor julius butterfield who was also the kind of twirling villain but human villain he uh he was played by Craig Ells. Nothing distracting. He's just he's just there. He's it just he just felt like a Scooby Doo villain to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm glad that we've both watched it and that we've reviewed it to go alongside our first review, but also just to get the word out because there's still going to be people like again, we're going to give our rating in a moment. Not as good as that first one. I'd go as far as saying before officially reviewing it. But yeah, I think it's worth more people knowing about it, even if they're just curious on the back of that first one. Yeah. And as we said, the big thing about this was our first time hearing about it was, and dropping this Friday is RIPD2, Director Street. Yeah, wait, wait. Yeah. What? It was it's it, filmed? It, it, yeah, I know. That, that was the thing as well. Like, yeah, it's not like, 
going into production, now nah, it's done. We've made it. We've just been off making this um, this movie, which again, like all those Tremors sequels and, you know, films like, I mean, it's been happening for years. Like you'd watch something yeah. like another Kevin Bacon film, like Hollow Man, and yeah. then on DVD, you can check out Hollow Man 2. What? Same director? Yeah. Nope. nope. <laughs> Same yeah. cast? Same Absolutely actors? not. Nope. <laughs> Nobody... Nobody's back, but if you're curious, you can check out these sequels, prequels. Some are okay. Some are better than yeah. others. But this movie, though, Jay, if you're going to rate it out of five. Um, I'm going to give it a leniency because this is clearly, as I said, I can I can feel the the restrictions in the in the not just the budget, uh, but also locations and uh the amount of uh, people on set. As you know, we've we've talked about this for other things. We've talked about the last two years, like episodes of TV shows, when suddenly there was no one on the streets. Titans, I think, was season that season of Titans. It was like busy Gotham, and there's no one on the streets. Uh, I'm gonna be coming about midway, two point five out of five. Um, I I don't think it's quite a recommend. Uh, it's it's not disappointing. It's not terrible it's but that's probably its biggest crime is it's so middle of the road and so by the numbers like you said that thing of oh this is like a movie length premiere for a tv show feels incredibly apt um like if this was a tv show i'd definitely give it a couple episodes to see where it went but it's not it's a film uh how about yourself close to what you're coming in at just a little bit on i'm gonna come in at a Two, two out of five. There's things to there's things I like about it. Just going back to that original concept of the first film and, and going back to the comic, it is a really good concept. You can see why the studio thought, hey, we've got something here. It really is like Ghostbusters meets Men in Black. They tried yeah. with that first movie. They didn't get the returns that they wanted on it. They didn't move forward. I mean, Men in Black, like after those first three movies, years later, they came back with Men in Black International, Chris Emsworth. They were still like throwing money at it, whereas they've like almost secretly just released this on DVD and, and to rent. Yeah, it, it's a lesser film from that first movie, which was not great in itself. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, if you like shows like Supernatural, as an example. Yeah. Yeah. Then, you know, when this is streaming, you know, Netflix, whatever, it's worth checking out. Absolutely. You know, check it out. But it's not a movie to rush out and buy and watch. But yeah, two out of five. It's just, yeah. I'm saying it could have been better, but could it have been? I mean, making it a Western in the first place already, even though it does fit with the character of Roy, it seems like a, a way to cut cost. We're going to do it yeah. in the Old West. We're going to shoot outdoors for the most part. Yeah. It was always going to be a cheaper film. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like it lost part of that is the procedure. We don't see, you know, like, the they have a jail and, like, they have, like, an actual department in the first one where they actually sort cases and stuff, where this is stripped of all of that world building down to just what's happening. You know, they get... they get back to earth and then on earth they remain the whole time um which probably a big budget saving cost but again it makes 
the world feel a lot smaller. It does um, where it's a big concept, which yeah. Ah, anyway, anyway, it is, it is what it is. Well, that's it for our episode all about RIPD2 Rise of the Damned. If you'd like to contact us about this episode or suggest a topic from an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.